0: The contents of this podcast are provided for general information and educational purposes only, and do not constitute investment, accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice.
1: Welcome to the Money Magnet podcast, helping you attract and keep a fortune that counts with co-hosts, self-made money magnet, Steve McKnight, and esteemed journalist, Rowan Wen. Welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast. I'm Rowan Wynn and joining me, of course, is the great Steve McKnight.
0: Steve, good to see you, mate. As I like to say, not the famous, the infamous Steve <laughs> McKnight.
1: Notorious, maybe. Now, mate, uh, if people are short on time, let's just tell them what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, the principle in this episode is the more you do of what you've done, the more you'll get
1: of what you've got. Now, that sounds simple, but it's actually kind of complex when you think about it, isn't it? And in your experience with the mentoring people in relation to money, you've seen that time and time again, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, well, people don't realise that the situation that they're in at the moment isn't chance or fluke. It is the culmination and product or result of many years of behavioural accumulation. You don't just, usually unless you win lotto or something else like that, you don't just end up rich and you don't just end up poor. It is a little bit over a long period of time that ends up in that outcome.
1: So what mistake do you see people making that leaves them either staying where they are or getting... Adversely impacted by not making good choices?
0: It's so hard to boil it down to a simple mistake, but if I had to pick one, it's people spend in advance of earning and they spend what they think they earn, but they actually earn less than what they spend because tax comes out of their income. So if you get a job and you're getting paid 100 grand a year, you think, how much have I got to spend? After tax, not 100 grand. Well, no, but most people think, oh, I get paid 100 grand, so I'll spend 100 grand. Yeah. But you don't get 100 grand because you've got tax and super taken out. You end up with less. But when you go to buy something and the cost of it is two grand, you're like, well, it's only two grand. I get paid. Other uh, 100 grand, I guess. 100 yeah. grand. They don't realise that it's two grand out of the 80 grand that they've got left over. Yeah. And so people tend to overspend on lifestyle. They get accustomed to that lifestyle and that way of living, which is beyond their means. They need to supplement it with debt. And before they know it, they're in a debt trap that they didn't realise they were getting into, but they don't know how to get out of.
1: Is part of the problem the fact that people don't have these conversations with themselves or with their partners early on and figure it out? They sort of just go along and live life and just make it up as they go along?
0: It's the baggage. And we slowly accumulate more bags and heavier bags over time because no one is born financially smart. It's like being a good driver. You might have a little bit of ability, but if you want to be a better driver, you need to have lessons. You need to be shown what to do. And then it's the awareness of what's going on on the road. Anyone can be better at managing their money, but you've got to overcome the fact that you weren't good to start off with, and try and forgive yourself for not doing better.
1: So when you say the more you do of what you've done, the more you get of what you've got, that works both ways. Because if you're doing the right thing, you get more of the right thing. And if you're doing the
0: wrong thing, you get more of the wrong thing. Is that right? Well, <laughs> let me throw <laughs> it's in- It's kind of like compound an...
1: interest in a way, isn't it? It goes either way.
0: Uh, it is. Let me throw out an accounting term here on an audit term, which might sound a bit fancy, but don't be afraid of it. And that word is extrapolation. And what it means to extrapolate is really to forecast ahead or to times out your present situation. And I think this is the point I want to get to in this podcast from where I sit anyway, which is things aren't going to change unless you change or... The more you do of what you've done the more you'll get of what you've got if you're currently in a financial situation you're not happy with then extrapolate that out forecast it out and then say well where will you be in five years in 10 years 15 20 30 40 years if you don't change because things aren't going to change on their own i know we all have this hope that we might win lotto or someone will magically bestow us with financial gifts from somewhere but we have to stop and think if i did times two or times five or times ten Would I be happier and healthier? And we can extrapolate not just on wealth, but we can also do our health. Like some people might be a couple of kilos overweight. You don't just end up a couple of kilos overweight. It's a bad habit, bad eating habit over time that then just gradually piles on the kilos, particularly as metabolism slows down. Relationships is the same. If you're presently not in a happier relationship, the more you do of what you've done, the more you'll get of what you've got. You'll stay in that unhappy relationship unless you do something different.
1: Love is a feeling, but it's also a choice, I always say. So you've got to choose to actually put effort into the relationship to make it work. Otherwise, it will just go south.
0: Are you quoting your mate George Michael again?
1: No, I'm not, but there'll be plenty of those in the podcast, I'm sure. Probably subconsciously, but anyway, we'll see how we go. But it's kind of true. I mean, this is about valuing what you've got and having much more than just an instinctive, reactive response to things, actually thinking things through and having a bit of a plan.
0: The aha is this. Let me just give it to you straight, Doc. The idea is that you will stay where you are until you change. And if you're presently in a situation, I talk about it in the book, if you're flush with cash and everything's going, well, you don't need to change. Just keep doing what you're doing. Do more of it. If you're buff with a six pack, I've never had a six pack. I I prefer to have a one tire. But if you're buff with (laughs) a six pack, then you're obviously doing something that works. So keep it up. If you're in a killer relationship with your partner and everything's trumps, then well done, keep it up. But if there's something that's not right, If it's financial, relationship, health, whatever it might be, then the point of change, because things won't get better until you get to this point, is saying, I want something different.
1: So practically speaking, how does the listener do that? I mean, what's the first step to being practical and thinking, I need to change? You have a look first and work out where you're at and work out where you want to be. Is that the trick?
0: Even simpler than that. If you were at the beach and you were swimming and then you all of a sudden found yourself being swept out to sea, would you just get swept out to sea. No, sometimes people would fight, but that's usually not the right thing to do. If you find yourself in trouble at the beach and you're swimming between the flags like you should be doing, all you need to do is put your hand up for help. But we're so proud. We think we need to have our finances sorted out. We think that we're supposed to be better with our money. We don't want our kids to see that we're maybe not perfect. Clueless in my case. <laughs> then, well, you have to be vulnerable. You have to say, well, I haven't got it figured out. Clearly I don't because the results of my finances and the way that I'm running my finances are that I'm not able to attract and keep the money. Help. You just have to be humble and say, I need help. That's the first point.
1: Yep. Or outsource it like I do, which is kind of like saying I need help by saying to Jackie, my partner, honey, you do it. Yeah, except- But I would like to learn. It would be more empowering to know actually what's going on.
0: Well, I always think no one's going to come and help you if you don't ask for it. True. That's what I've realised. And with your finances, if you want things to change, the first step is asking for help.
1: Okay, but what about people who always think the solution to every problem is more? So I don't have enough, just give me more cash and then life will be good. Which you're saying in your experience isn't always the case with the people that you've mentored.
0: If you could answer this question, what would you say? I would be heaps happier if I could have more... Time. More time. Yeah. Yep. Time, health. Most people would say money. My life would be happier if I had more money. And I can understand that because people believe that the classic money buys happiness or at least buys your way out of some form of misery. But I would like to... It can to... buy comfort. It can buy comfort if you don't have it. <laughs> the gag I say is money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys business class. And that's pretty bloody close to happiness. <laughs> I here to tell you. Really? Have you phone caught lately? It's pretty bad. <sighs> <sighs> The point I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted and taken on a different tangent. In a podcast, outrageous. Thank you. The point I was going to say is that most people would say if I had more money, then most of my problems would go away. But I would say to someone in that situation, you have about as many problems as your money will handle. If you had more money, you wouldn't have less problems. You'd have more problems. They'd be different problems, but you would have more problems, one of which would be instead of thinking about how do I make more money, you become more protectionist around protecting what you've got and more anal about hanging on to your money. So instead of becoming abundant, you tend to have more of a scarcity mindset. Might we'll well, talk about that in the future. You do see that actually,
1: don't you? You see as people get quite wealthy and certainly the billionaires that I've met as a journo, you know. They get tighter. Yeah. And unhappy. Like, it's very hard to find a happy billionaire because they're so worried about keeping the empire going, you know, and they've, they've forgotten the value of the money because it doesn't represent doing things anymore, it just rep- represents like a bank balance.
0: Yeah, you, sure, you need to count your money, but you need to make your money count.
1: Yeah, right. So talk
0: about that, please.
1: What does that mean for the listener at home?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. What does it mean? It means that you need a certain amount of money to survive, but then when you get to that point where you've got enough... You can really start using your money and your knowledge and your resourcing to give significance to your life so that you can give your life meaning and feel like you counted that you made your life count.
1: All right. So back to the practical terms. Once people have started changing that attitude, what do they then do? There's three steps.
0: There's now, there's then, and then there's how do we get between now and then. So now is taking a sit rep. What financial situation are you in? Where's the money coming in? How are going versus what you're spending? Then you've got to extrapolate and say, the trajectory that I'm heading on, where's that going to get me? And then if it's not where you want to be, you have to cast a new vision for what your then looks like. And the last step, which is often the hardest step, is to build a bridge between where you are now and where you want to get to.
1: So it's kind of like having a map, knowing where you are and be honest about that, knowing where you want to be, and then having the plan.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people don't know where they are now, so they're lost out of the gate. They don't know where they want to go because they lack vision, and therefore they have no map whatsoever. They just spend each day, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and they run out of time. Because as I wrote in the book, and one of the Steveisms that I mention is, time is your friend until it's your enemy.
1: So what would you say to people who are listening who think they're at the start of that journey, that they're stuck
0: and they don't know why they're stuck? And they're looking at their life going, this should be easier, but I can't figure it out. It's a really simple first step. Just say you don't know. Don't pretend that you've got all the answers when you don't. Simply say, I don't have the answers. I need help. And when you change your reference to instead of feeling like you should know what the answer is, when you've never been shown and you've never been taught, like and that I talk about in the book, he was never shown, he was never taught, how on earth are you expected to be good? So just... Build on that one, so the the example you're talking about in the book. So Youngin's a a young kid who came and did some farm work on the property up at Bindai and he and I got in a conversation. His name's Blair, and I said, Blair, tell me about your money situation. Oh, our family's no good with money. And I'm like, so what about you? Oh, I'm no good with money. And I'm like, well, do you expect to be good without money, without ever being shown, without ever being taught, because they don't teach us at school? We'll cover that in another podcast. Yes. And if they don't teach us, how are you expected to be gifted, Because no one is born gifted at money.
1: And even in his case, it sounds worse because he's been told that the family's no good with money. Therefore, he assumes that's true of him. Yeah. So that's his block emotionally.
0: He's inherited the DNA that we're no good at something and that feeds into insecurity and we'll never be good at it. So why bother trying?
1: The analogy that you used before when we were talking was about when you go to the gym and you've got to learn to do weights, you know, and people want to pick up big weights on big muscles. But the trick is to start with the lighter weight and get the skill right first. Yeah.
0: Are you saying I've got big muscles?
1: No, definitely not. (laughs) For uh, the listener at home, that's not the case.
0: (laughs) No, it's the technique. Like anyone that's been to gym and had a go at lifting weights, if you try to lift a weight which looks heavy, you'd be surprised at what you can lift with good technique. And you'd be surprised how quickly you can hurt yourself with a lightweight and bad technique. And I believe it's the same with money. If you're shown the technique and the correct technique, you can actually handle a lot of money. Like I do deals in the tens of millions of dollars. And that sounds like a lot of money. It's like, oh, wow, those must be big deals and they must be complex. And then in some cases, a lot simpler than the deals at a dollars to $300,000. But it's the technique of being able to make, manage, and multiply your money that once you learn it, you'll be able to add scale and build wealth faster than someone that just tries to pick up weights when they see something and show off to their friends and end up hurting themselves.
1: So the trick is to learn to know what you're going to do before you do it so you do it correctly. Is that right?
0: Step one, I need help. Step two, learn the technique. Step three, start lifting under supervision and build your muscles.
1: So Reading Money Made It, it's quite clear that you've gone to great lengths to really explain practically how people can apply these things. Was that something that a lot of people miss in their lives, that they don't have in their lives, that practical approach?
0: I didn't want Money Magnet Row to be just another book about do this and do that. I wanted to make it real. And because I've dealt with literally millions of people over the course of my career at seminars and books and that kind of thing, I know what people need help with. And so I try to do it. Beautiful. So Steve, in our next
1: episode, we're talking about one of those old cliches that is money evil? Which yeah, kind of ties into what we're talking about now.
0: Baggage. And a lot of people have been taught from an early age that money's bad, money's evil, don't have anything to do with it. And that feeds into a repellent attitude. And it's very hard to make and keep money if you repel wealth.
1: So spoiler alert, is money evil? Yep. <laughs> and of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate our podcast. Give it a good rating because it helps other people find it. And Steve, I'll see you next time.
0: See you next time, right.
1: Bye man. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Magnet podcast. If you have questions or would like to provide feedback, then please send an email to podcast at moneymagnet.au. Until next time, bye for
0: now.